Just to go to a little bit for the group structure, um, it's evolved over the years. We needed to get rocket motors, uh, which I'll explain in a minute, and therefore we formed a joint venture with a company in the UK that does rocket motors and propellants, that's arms, arms reaction motor systems. Then I identified the application to stop aircraft crashing, another new company, and we've now decided that we need to put that technology into fusion avionics where we've also got vision AI technology from a company called Kavonics. Um, that brings together the whole set of technologies that you need to deal with the crashing aircraft, uh, light aircraft, helicopters and EVTOLs in particular. Um, so fusion Avionics. Uh, it's been set up about a year and we've been developing the, the business plan. That'll be ready in about two months. Um, so that will become an investment opportunity in two months. The US operation, we have a, uh, we fund a crowd, crowd pitch open at the moment. I'm always happy to accept any investments into ABPS. <laughs> um, this is a problem with armoured vehicles. Uh, they get blown in the air when they get hit by a mine or an IED and that acceleration upwards kills the occupants just by compression of the spine and the, yeah, the insides go down and they actually pull the aorta off the heart, it's not good. So you need to stop that and this is what happens with a snatched Land Rover with six kilos underneath. There we go. So you see there's a flash above the vehicle, that's not the mine going through the vehicle, that's, that's a rocket motors on the vehicle pushing it down to stop it being blown in the air. Uh, how do you do that? It's a patented novel linear rocket motor, uh, square section tube, uh, exit slots cut transversely one side, that allows you to fire it up very quickly and counteract the mine forces. Uh, relation to aircraft, you use a combination of a parachute and rockets, retro rockets, to stop it crashing in an emergency. And um, the issue there is that there's, there's a huge amount of development going on with drones and VTOLs flying over urban environments. They absolutely need a safety system that works. Um, current safety systems, a ballistic parachute, parachute fired out on a rocket uh, for light aircraft. Trouble is it stalls the aircraft, goes into a nosedive before the parachute becomes effective. And uh, that creates a safety gap of at least 300 feet. So that system doesn't work below 300 feet. And EVTOLs are going to be operating that sort of height. Uh, there's no point in flying higher for short hops that they're going to be. So how do you reduce the safety gap? You can uh, use a retro rocket. So when you fire the capsule out containing the parachute, which you then launch and open actively, um, you fire the retro rocket, the retro rocket fires automatically after the launch motor and that holds the aircraft in the air while the parachute opens. So you greatly reduce the safety gap from 300, 400 feet to maybe 100 feet. And that's uh, the first stage of getting that system into the market. Um, you can also use a retro rocket to control the landing. And that picture is a Russian tank actually being dropped with the crew inside. So you can't allow it to hit the ground too hard. But the thing is that that requires more complicated technology, altitude, set rate, sensors, initiation systems, all got to work properly. It's more, more expensive to uh, certify. So using the retro rockets to minimise the safety gap is simpler 
uh, just a two-stage rocket motor. So um, that was the way we'll introduce this technology. If you look to the right, you see a drone dropping out of the sky and falling on a lady's head, and she had severe concussion. Now, the guy who was flying the drone had no idea what happened. It just went out of control and just fell on this unfortunate person. Um, and this slide says five kilo mass, and that drone was probably about three and a half kilos, four kilos. Um, uh, mass falling from three metres can actually kill you. <laughs> so it's a serious issue uh, that the industry currently is not really paying much attention to. The thing is, there's about seven billion per year being invested in EV toll, cargo drones, etc. These aircraft are weighing three or four tonnes each. There's over 600 different pro projects, urban air mobility, intercity, cargo, one, one person, personal transport, and uh, they're all a threat to every people on the ground. And the thing is that they've got a lot of redundancy in the system. They haven't got single point failures like helicopters have, so they're not going to crash as much as helicopters do. But there's still a serious issue, as illustrated by that one going out of control and dropping on someone's head. And there's a lot going on in the package delivery, even to homes, pizzas and ice cream, would you believe, are the most favourite things in America at the moment. And uh, that um, home delivery is extending rapidly in, in the USA and various other, other places, and larger cargo versions will, will follow. And already there's deliveries of post-blood medical supplies, etc. So, and the FAA have just authorised one operation to fly 20 package delivery drones with a single pilot. And the industry says, great, that improves, improves the economics. But what's happening is that commercial pressures are overriding the safety issues, and uh, this will change when things start to happen. Another risk is bird strike. These aircraft are flying at low altitude where the birds are. Uh, cities are built around bodies of water which attract large flocking water birds, and you see what happens if uh, you fly into them. And they do bring helicopters down, they bring, bring light aircraft down from time to time. Um, the authorities are mandating a 10 to the minus 9 fatality rate for these air, urban air taxis, same as commercial aircraft where no birds fly. Um, helicopter fatality rate is 10 to the minus 5. Uh, there's no way in the world they're going to get to 10 to the minus 9 with all the risks that there are. So what do the regulators and everybody do then? They're going to have to specify a safety system, in our view. And there's a large number of bird strikes uh, each year, each day, indeed. Um, issues with GPS location. All drones rely on GPS to uh, identify where they are and to navigate. It's a very weak signal, so it's easily swamped by RF emissions which we generate on Earth. Reflections from tall buildings confuse it by changing the timing that the signal is received so it doesn't know quite where it is. And anybody who doesn't want to be identified where they are can buy a jammer for £20. Um, and uh, that is a serious issue because if you're using GPS you know, to navigate, it's a serious problem. Um, so the issue is, one of the, one of the issues is even for, for light aircraft, and for helicopters, if your engine stops or have any other problem, the first thing you want to know is, where can I land? And at the moment, there's no system looking down from the vehicle 
identify emergency landing sites, would you believe? So it's a pretty obvious thing to do. Um, and we've uh, focused on that. And that system of looking down and comparing with the view with a map enables you to identify your GPS position as well. So it's backup for GPS. So it's a two very important first products that we have here is going to be this look down video AI system, which will apply to light aircraft as well as to resources. And ultimately, uh, you can have a system which does everything for you when you have a burst strike or have a battery fire, whatever. You can launch a steerable parachute, uh, control the aircraft down to the identified emergency landing site, land the aircraft. That is the ultimate goal, uh, which at the end of the day, everybody we think is going to need. Um, business model revenue streams, all of our funding so far has come from R&D grants, uh, developments with the US Army, UK Army. Um, we have currently got a very large $5 million over four years proposal in to uh, do R&D on traumatic brain injuries. And uh, this is something it's not understood. The US Army does not understand how traumatic brain injury occurs in an armoured vehicle which is hit by a mine but not penetrated. So there's no blast wave hitting the people inside, but you still get the injury. And uh, we think we've got a very, very good chance of winning that. Uh, we get the result of that in April, and that will give us half a million a year in the UK and uh, $100,000 uh, in the US. Um, right, we're collaborating with a lot of players in the eVTOL industry from parachute manufacturers to stroking crashworthy seat suppliers which are developing the, those technologies specifically for us to sell. So fusion avionics is where all this comes together. Um, no competition in the armoured vehicle side, it's completely covered by the patents that we have especially in the USA, and uh, therefore we've got a free run at that. The aircraft system as well is covered, um, not quite as strongly, but we're just about to put a second application in for the key element that we've identified. Um, the current round for ASST in the States on WeFunder, uh, $250,000. We're limited to that because we, it's a startup. We haven't got audited accounts, so you're limited to a quarter of a million. And, and that would fund you know, some of these uh, developments for our share of the cost. Um, that's it, really. Um, the team, we've got a really strong team, uh, both in the US and the UK. We won't go into details. On that you can read that all for information. We've got someone from the military here, both in the UK, um, Brigadier Ian Cameron Mowat, and uh, Rocky Kamisic in the States. So we've got a really good support team. And why should you invest? Because we offer revolutionary products uh, which are ahead of the market and uh, will inevitably be adopted in due course of time. It is in due course of time. The, um, the eVTOL product, um, the look-down video AI system, it's about a year, possibly 18 months, to having that product out, uh, out to sell and get revenue. So that's it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Roger.
Okay, there's a couple of things I need to unpick. The next time I go to a wedding, I am going to swap my fascinator for a hard hat. And I think I'll be looking up now rather than looking at my feet when I walk around. So how much of a problem are drones falling from the sky? Now, I know that in the village where I live, there are lots of drone enthusiasts asking if... I want to see, you know, whether there's any tiles missing from the top of my roof, etc. Yeah, et yeah. So, um, what is it that your inventions, initiatives can do to stop drones from falling from the sky? Well, you don't stop them completely, but you slow them down so they don't present the hazard. Um, so, uh, it's a case of slowing them down and um, adding a warning that something's coming out of the sky, you just make a noise. <laughs> okay, so, so that at least you, uh, you mitigate the situation. And if you slow it down to a metre or two metres uh, per second, then it's a lot better than 10, 15 or 20 that it could be. <laughs> I am thinking about the market opportunity. Do we know how many drones are, are owned officially or unofficially no, and whether it's, it's a regulated uh, market? It's, it's, it is like the Wild West at the moment. The regulators are way behind the game because there are, as I say, there are 600 eVTOL projects and uh, you know, as they get to uh, do the build and so on and test flying, then they want to get certified. And then every project at the moment is individually specified what the certification requirements are because there aren't any rules. They haven't written the overall rules for EV to a certification yet. The EASA is driving that and trying to get a unified set of rules, but there's so many different designs. Some have wings, um, some don't. Uh, others are... Uh, there's all sorts of designs. That, you know, and they, because of that, the certification requirements could vary for each one. <laughs> So the regulators are completely overwhelmed with the problem and um, little things like package delivery drones, you know, they haven't really got time to wait, but they are increasingly going to come into play, especially in the USA. So, you know, at the moment it's, it's, it is controlled, but individual flying drones is not, it should be controlled, but people don't bother. And uh, they fly their drones, and there's a couple of examples I picked up last night. I was looking through where people have uh, flown their drone, lost control, and then during drone crashes, one of these said, "I nearly killed somebody <laughs> because it dropped in the road just just close to a woman on a bike with a child on the bike." You know. So it's a serious issue that's not been addressed yet. And it's a, a recent addition to your group of companies. So you and I have, have had Q&A sessions for about eight, nine years. Yes. And um, I started off the introduction talking about um, the one-year anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine. Yeah. Um, and your initiative to mitigate the impact of armoured vehicles going over mines, etc., yeah. was as relevant now as it, as it was then. Yeah. So within your portfolio, which is, um, which, is, which is the invention closest to commercialisation? Well, there's other elements of the armoured vehicle protection as well. One is a carbon fibre reinforced a plate that goes underneath the, uh, underneath the vehicle and that's lighter and stronger and it also uh, reduces the shock transfer into the vehicle by a large percentage, probably 70-80%. Uh, and the shock transfer into the vehicle could be one of the mechanisms that causes a TBI. 
So, so there's other elements, and the US Army, they also got an active floor system, because if your feet are on the floor, when you get hit by a mine, you'll get fractured legs. In fact, your knees, ankles, all the way up. Uh, and uh, because it's like being hit by a huge hammer, the floor moves at 100 metres per second uh, at 10,000 G, so it's a massive force. Uh, and uh, to prevent that, we pull the floor down within a millisecond of the mine going off. Now, the US Army wants to test that sometime, sometime this year. So if, that, if, if they like that, and they wouldn't be testing it if they didn't like the concept, if that goes into production, then you're immediately into revenue <laughs> with the US Army. So, uh, and are they, are they paying for the testing, or are you doing the testing for the US no, Army? they pay for the testing. We supply, it's a very simple kit. Uh, it's a piece of plywood and does a mechanism. Uh, so it's a very simple kit. It's not going to cost much, uh, but they do the testing. Yeah. So there's other elements to the armoured vehicle protection system as well. Um, yeah. So this could be... This could be huge. Yes, it absolutely. Depends. Both, both markets are enormous. Both markets are in the billions uh, if the uh, technologies have become adopted. So it's a huge market. And um, yeah, just, but it's the, the uh, we're not investing anything else in developing the armoured vehicle technologies. We, we need the US Army or indeed European companies. We had discussions with a European company that does active protection systems to intercept missiles and RPGs coming to hit your vehicle. And it fits very well with them. And um, we visited them on February the 23rd last year. Russia invaded Ukraine on the 24th, which completely stalled <laughs> because they're now slowed under with stuff they're doing for countries adjacent to uh, Russia, for obvious reasons. Um, and there's other companies that do similar things that, uh, that may well pick that, uh, pick that up. But uh, we haven't pushed that with them yet. We're just letting the defence market evolve while we focus on the EVTOLs and the fusion avionics bit. Thank you. Have you got any patent protection? Yes. I would expect Kinetic to be picking this up and running with it. Yes, as I said in the presentation, the armoured vehicle technology is extremely well protected. Um, the the VGAM, the rocket motor is pushing down, it's completely protected, both the, the concept of pushing down the rocket motors and the sensors we use on the belly plate to identify the size of the mine. So all three things are, are protected uh, in the US and in Europe. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, I spend a lot of money on patents. It's getting close to a million. <laughs> I invested over eight million. It's about eight and a half million in total over the uh, 15 years since first identifying the possible concept. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I've always been very strong on the patents. As with the VTOL system, you know, that became obvious. It's needed in 2014-15. Uh, you know, eight, nine odd years ago, and uh, but you've got to get in, identify the problems that they're going to have, get the patent in on the technology required to solve it well in advance, and then you've got to keep the patents going. So it's a costly business, but it is absolutely critical. Yeah. yeah. Is Kinetic doing? Uh, kinetic are. I mean, we have talked to Kinetic, and and uh, uh, it's not. It's not for them, actually, particularly. They're much more into 
are you producing revenue yet, etc., etc., etc. You know, that they like to back winners clearly that are going, you know, already proven. <laughs> but hopefully this will be a winner, particularly as so much of your own personal money has been put yeah. into the business. Well, it was either, you know, um, putting money into initiatives that will help people survive or reducing your golf handicap. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so, so you will get your societal rewards, I'm sure, yeah. Roger. So right at the beginning, you talked about um, sort of a crowdfunding that, is it currently live? Yes, and it is, on WeFunder, and the links are in the, in the, in the presentation. And... Uh, what's, that's, what's... For the U, that's for the US operation, ASST, which is why I've chosen to give it as an ASD, ASSD presentation, because it combines both the armoured vehicle and the EV top side. So, how's, uh, so crowdfunding, um, so, so most of the people here are retail investors who are accustomed to um, equ equity endeavours, but is this protected by EIS or SEIS? Yes, it is, it is still, uh, yes, it is EIS. Fusion is going to be SEIS. Because it's new, yeah. And out of your entire group, which ones do you have? I've asked you this before already. I wasn't sure I, I, um, I got the straightforward answer that I was looking for. But out of the entire group of companies, which is the one that we will be talking about in the, the near future? That um, yeah. I think it'll be it will be it will be fusion because that's where. Everybody is going to know about drones and EVs eventually, even if, they don't, even if they don't now. And the issue of them being a threat to people on the ground and people in property on the ground is going to come home to people. They can relate to that. They don't really relate to the armoured vehicle thing. It's only, only, only people in the vehicles <laughs> relate. Yeah. And finally, the next invention, what will you and I be talking about yeah, in three years' this time? Is, this is enough. <laughs> this is quite enough to be going on with. <laughs> Roger, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Roger Sloman. <laughs>